Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, well, a, a couple things there uh, I want to unpack and I want to talk more about those um, transferable skills. Um, I'm going to step back uh, to to something you started talking about the, you know, coaching and saying in one word and, you know, uh, kind of jogged my memory a little bit as you were talking about your dad coaching baseball um, back to a time when my son, my son's, uh, he's almost 18 now, but this goes back to when he was nine years old. Um, I was a quarterback coach at Baldwin-Wallace University. And, um, you know, just for me, I've always been a student of the game and a student of coaching and teaching. My parents were teachers and uh, just intensely interested in how people communicate things to their students and how you get information across. And so, um, you know, my son had started, this was, you know, winter training with, a, you know, a new baseball program. And this guy who's his instructor uh, you know, he had been a, a division one, uh, baseball coach at, at Liberty and, um, just a ton of experience. And anyway, he ended up, you know, running this baseball program in Strongsville, Ohio. And, um, my son had the opportunity to work with him and, and, you know, as he was doing his lessons, individual stuff with this coach, I'd be sitting there taking notes on my phone and finally stopped me. You know, the one day he's like, why are you always on your phone? I'm like, coach, I'm taking notes. I'm listening to you. Like I'm, I've never seen somebody engage a learner, let alone just a coach the way that you do. And, and I stand here and, you know, you, you worked with my son, then another kid comes in and you know exactly what to say to those kids and you're conveying the same information, but you do it a little bit differently for every guy. And you're picking out fundamentals. You're not a cookie cutter guy who just runs a kid through a drill. You are specifically looking for, how do I make this kid better? And I'm sure that's something you know, you saw as well. And I think it's, there's a lot you can pick up from just going and watching a guy who's really good, you know, either teaching a guy individually, that's where to me, I mean, especially I could see the dynamics there, but going to practice, right. Um, I love spring ball practices. I think you can learn Mm -hmm. so much from way more when, you know, when I was coaching at the high school level, and we would be done with our season. I, I was going and finding a team who was still playing and asking them if I could come to practice. And walking around, you can learn so much and see guys who are great teachers 
and really absorb that. And so, you know, again, one of those things we have, we're, we're rich on scheme right now and we can learn all kinds of things in these virtual clinics, but I still recommend, you know, especially when things open up, being able to do that and step outside of your sport, right? When you hear a, a really good, you know, so true, man. and you, you can separate, you know, we get, we get tied up in our schemes and our words that we use, but when you can hear and see somebody teach things in a different way and be very concise like that, I think there's so much that you can pick up that again is giving your, your players a better chance when you're able to apply that to yourself as a coach. Hey man, that is Keith. That is so right on because, you know, I think about the guys like when I was at SMU, Matt Dougherty was a basketball coach at SMU at the time. Right. And then, uh, coach Brown came right after him and Larry Brown. And I would go to basketball practice, you know, and watch, and I would ask, you always have to ask to get in there, but they would, they would let me sit in there and watch them teach. And I'm not, I mean, I'm a fan of basketball. I'm not a basketball coach, but there's always some better practice habit, better way of describing something better organizational tool, better something that you can gain from, from some, because I mean, that's the, that like, I do this, I do this work in, in the off season broadcast in NFL games in the United Kingdom. And one of the coolest experiences I've had with that had nothing to do with football, had everything to do with football and nothing to do with football. There's a guy named Eddie Jones and Eddie Jones is the head of the, he's the head coach of the English rugby team right and so because i'm at sky doing we're going to do a game i go through the guard thing and i see i see eddie jones standing waiting for his car and so me i mean i like we say in hawaii no shame so i march right over and he doesn't know me he had no idea who i am right but i i introduced myself and i said coach i i i really respect what you've done because he took a really underachieving team and made them world cup champions. Right. And I said, what you've done, he has, and he's, he's an Australian guy by, by birth. I'm, you know, and he gave me an hour to sit down and talk coaching, not, not rugby coaching, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that are fundamental of coaching. And, I, and it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And it's a guy that he still to this day doesn't know a first down from offsides. I mean, he doesn't, but he, uh, he knows, he knows how to communicate with players. He knows about holding players accountable. He, he knows about all the things that, you know, um, and he used a term that was actually almost a, a Nick Saban term. He, he talked about the gift of accountability to an athlete. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I thought about it for a second. I said, coach, what do you mean about the gift of accountability? So th- he said, Jeff, think about what that means, what being accountable means, right? When you, when you can build a habit of accountability in your life, not in your rugby, but in your life, it has to start in your rugby because that's where it'll grow to. Because otherwise we're really full of shit. I mean, I hope, I hope you don't edit. I mean, sorry for if, if you have to bleep that, but here, here's the, here's the deal. Didn't we say, don't we say that this game teaches something? Yes. It's got to teach more than come to balance or inside hands or, you know, strike a rising blow or six inch, whatever it is. You know, that's, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. It's about 
accountability, commitment, effort, you know, resiliency, all the things that are not, you know, you can make them whatever you want to make them. You can make them either cliches or you can make them part of what you are. And there's an old Buddhist saying, Keith, that I love and I, I, I share it with the players every year. Embody what you teach and teach only what you embody. And that is maybe the best coaching advice I could ever give anybody. Embody what you teach and teach only what you embody. And if you think about it in, in, in that very same way, okay, when you talk to the players about preparation, you better be the model of preparation. When you talk to the players about unselfishness and then they see selfishness in you, and I was really bad at this at one time because I, I would talk about, you, you know, um, you've got to stay off the officials, right? And then it'd be game day and I'd be climbing all over some officials' ass. Well, you know, you're, you're sending mixed, mixed messages to the play. Well, it's okay, for, it's okay for you, but it's not okay for us. You know, I don't think you can live that way. Not, not with high level players, you can't, right? Right. And so, you know, I think that that's, that's a really, that may be, and that, that has nothing to do with football. It has everything to do with, you know, how you, how you approach whatever you do, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, taking that a step further, I had a coach on, uh, name's Garen Stokes. He's a small high school coach. So I, I think they're a division seven, small division here in Ohio, won a state championship a couple years ago and was talking about you know, one of the things he does. And I think this goes along with what we were just talking about going out and watching other coaches, but he brings in other sport coaches to evaluate him and his staff during the season. How did we do coaching? And I think that takes, that takes a, a, a lot of courage to open yourself up to that and open up to that criticism. And, you know, especially people maybe who don't know your game as well, doesn't have to be your own sport. How did we do coaching our players? How did we do handling our players and being able to get that kind of feedback is, is just going to make you a better coach. So I think there's just some different ways you can approach this and look at it outside of, I'm going to go out and learn how the best teams in America do this. And I'm going to copy that. You still have to develop your craft as a coach. And this is again, another. Absolutely. To do and you know, you know, who I you know, who I think if you, if you have that, if you have a level of trust, right. If you have a level of trust, which I think is one of the biggest things in terms of having success, when there is, a, it, it doesn't even have to be admiration or respect if there's trust, right? If you have that level of trust, your players will will be your best cri critics, if you will. Yes. They can critique you better than anybody, but you have to be open to that. I'm going to tell a story on myself where I fell short, right? Because certainly, you know, I'm 63 years old. And I've been doing this since I was 24, five, and I'm still not anywhere close to as good as I should be or could be, or will be. But I said to the players in training camp, I said, guys, you know, I talked about, you know, we talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, problems, right? We don't attack people, we attack problems. And then we define a problem as anything that keeps us from playing at the highest level, right? Anything, okay? On the field, off the field, anything. That's a problem. Okay, we won't attack the person, but we'll attack the problem. Well, we had a game and we lost. And one of the things that's really difficult for me to uh, 
swallow it's, it's my own personal defect is when a guy doesn't compete yeah. right when a guy i i, I don't I, I can deal with a lot of things but if you don't compete that's hard for me right and so in a meeting in a meeting i got animated and went after this kid because he didn't compete and went past the line of you know i crossed over and I had a kid, there was a kid that just retired this year named Rico Murray. He, he played at Kent State and then he played for the Bengals and then came up and played eight years in our league. And he came up to me after, this, after the meeting was over and he knocked on my door. He said, Jeff, remember, you've always said that this is, you know, that you want us to, if, we, if, I, if I don't, I tell him all the time, if I'm not giving it what you, if I'm not giving you what you need, then you need to come see me and I'll, I'll get you what you need, right? Because I need your feedback. So he said, he stood my door and he said, I'm ready to give you some feedback. And I said, okay, what's that Rico? He goes, you, you, you were full of shit today. And I said, what? He said, you're full of shit today. I said, what do you mean? He said, you said, you don't only attack problems, not people. And today you attacked one of my teammates. And I thought, well, mm. right. But you gotta be open to that. You gotta be willing to hear that. Right. And to this day, I really, deeply respect that kid and love that kid because he made me better that day. Cause again, I have, I can't ask them to do it if I'm not willing to do it. Right. right? And if I say it's going to be this way and then I don't, I don't perform at that level. Then again, I, I, they can't trust me. Right. And, and it, to me, it's, that's the biggest thing. Can, can, you don't have to like me. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to think I'm very smart. You don't, I mean, but, you better be able to trust me and I better be able to trust you. Yeah, no doubt. That's again, I think as a coach, you have to be willing to be a little bit vulnerable to be able to get that feedback. And I think there's, you know, especially as you start early on, there's ways you can build it in a little bit more formally. You know, you do postseason evaluations and you could put some questions in there for your players to answer. You want to encourage their, their honest feedback and, and, you know, have the conversations. Don't just leave it sitting on the paper. Learn more. You know, why did that guy say that? What is he talking about? Make him give some examples for you. Uh, that right. Ultimately, those things, you, you know, you're you're accountable for yourself and in improving yourself, right? And the only way you're going to get better is understanding where you're at and uh, understanding how you can do some things better. And I want to touch on, you know, go to a point. You said confirm with validity everything that you teach. And, and uh, you know, the point you made is, um, you're installing drills in your meeting, right? The, the first time you run a drill mm -hmm. isn't out on the field. I think that's a, such an important thing. I didn't get to that early on in my career. It's probably about midway through that I realized the best practice for us. And I was a, a head high school coach at the time was, you know, um, we should install our drills in the meeting so players understand it. And exactly that, right? Get the validity for it. Where does this show up in the game? Because if you can't show them that, then why what are you doing a drill for? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's useless. And exactly. they, if they can't see where it connects, you're going to have a hard time translating whatever you're trying to teach there. Uh, so I think that's an important thing. And you mentioned the, the 12 transferable skills. Um, I'm sure we could do a whole series on these things. But I, I guess if you could touch on those today and, um, you know, what we're those 12 transferable skills that you've been able to identify? Well, first of all, I think the real thing is that if you, if you really want to be a 
if you want to know football, if you really, really want to know football, coach the special teams. Yeah. Really know football because it's such a unique, you, other than the head coach, you're the only guy that's going to speak to the entire team right. at one time. You're going to work with every position group. You are going to coach offense and defense at the same time, sometimes in the same play, right? When So when you're on when you're on punt return, you're out there as a defensive down. Initially, the play starts as a defensive down, and then it transitions to an offensive play in the same play, right? And this is what fascinates me about the NFL. You know, you know they're talking about hiring and finding the next great head coaches and all stuff. They Just look at the special teams guys, right? To me, they're the best teachers on the field because they have the least amount of time. They have to work, do the most amount of work with the most amount of guys. So what we... To, the reason I say that is because that's what led to the boiling the game down and watching thousands and thousands of hours of film, right? right. And recognizing that and a punt, a punt rusher. So for example, we start talking about the, what the skills are. I have to reduce the surface of my body to use our terminology. You have to get skinny. Well, who gets skinny? A pass rusher does, right? A wide receiver does when he's getting off a of bump coverage right? A defensive back half. Everybody, you have to reduce your surface, your body surface. How do I do that? And what's the best fundamental way to do that, right? So to get skinny, I go back to my martial arts training as a young guy. And I realized that there's a thing called react, action, reaction, force, right? So for example, if I want to punch somebody if I just punch like this like a boxer punches that's I, I'm going to get through my hip rotation shoulder rotation I'm going to get an effective punch but if I take my off elbow and throw it back as I punch I'm going to get much more force in my punch mm -hmm. so we took that and said okay now that's the same thing I have to teach the punt rushers as they start to enter the gap to win against, let's say the block is coming from the inside. Well, I want to take my inside shoulder, but I don't turn my inside shoulder. I throw my inside, my outside elbow high, and that brings my shoulder where it needs to go, right? So that's one of them. And then you take that skill, how you, however you teach that skill, right? And we have drills for it. And then you show the offensive lineman who has to get up to the second level against the center, against a nose tackle that wants to lag him and hold him on the line of scrimmage. He's got to take his shoulder away from him. Right. Right. So there's a way. And then, then I work for a great head coach who believes in what we teach. And, has, and that's why I've been at this place for eight years, because I don't want to, frankly, have to break in a new head coach. If you know what I mean, because he's seen it now, he's experienced it. He understands what we're doing. Cause it's, it, it, most people say, what are you guys, why are you spending all that time on that kind of stuff? Because that's the game, right? And I'm trying to improve the offensive tackle as much as I'm trying to improve the punt rusher in my drills. So in our, what we call County fair, which is a Jack Bicknell term where everybody goes around with, and all the coaches coach it and they all understand the language. And again, I've coached what we want them, what we want the coach to say, because here's the deal. You and I are very much on the same page. I can I sense that. But if you say blue, right, you may be thinking navy blue and I say blue 
and I'm thinking Columbia blue, that light blue, mm-hmm. right? Well, they're both blue, but they're completely different to the athlete who's got to know what blue is. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So we want the language and how the drill is coached and the, and the coaching points in the drill to be very, very specific. So there's no question about what shade of blue we're talking about. Right. Right. So when we say throw your elbow to the sky or get your elbow above your eye or whatever the coaching point, we have a definitive language for the drill work. Right. And then that's all we use. We don't use any other words. Okay. So get skinny. That's one of them. Right. Everybody's got to do it. All right. Come to balance, get control of your feet. That's another one. So that's actually wordier than it probably needs to be. We should probably just say come to balance. Right. And what does that mean? Well, in special teams, in the special teams world, there's long periods of running. And then there's the moment of truth, the last 10 yards of the play. Right. Particularly covering kicks. Well, if you you have to transition your body through that high velocity, high speed environment into control or you miss. Right. And, And we we, we, we make the analogy to I'm training fighter pilots and I want you to kill the other guy. I don't want the other guy to kill you. So we're going to give you the skills to kill the other guy, right? To, to eliminate the, your target. So now I have to compress my body in some way. Now, how do I do that? And how do I come to balance? Well, we, I saw this drill. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. We take, and, and again, you don't need a, this is the great thing about these, these skills. Keith, you don't need stuff that you don't, you don't need equipment, you know, cause everybody wants to have the nurse all I don't want, I don't want that stuff. I actually don't want it. Right. Because I think it's a crutch and we get more involved with like one time they went out and bought me those dummies that are motorized and they run across the field. Yeah. I used them like two days and that was it, you know, and they, they, they got pissed at me, but I said, I can't, that's, I can't, I, we don't tackle those guys, right? I mean, those guys aren't playing. So I don't want to play, I don't want to practice against them. Anyway, so you put the athlete in this environment where he runs and then you have two dummies set parallel and there's about three foot of space between them, two step over dummies, right? And what the athlete does is as he enters the dummies, he puts his hands down and opens his palms to the dummy and then runs his fingers down the dummy as he continues to gain ground. Because whether you're blocking in space or tackling in space, you have to make up the ground to your target. But it's a very specific way that you need to do that. Because if you stay long stride, you're gonna miss, right? And so when you, and I, and, and I get to the point of this when we're teaching the drill the first night, I say, okay, everybody stand up in the meter. Okay, and, I, and, and have them stand up. I said, now, I want you to do this. But you just feel what it feels like to have your hands with your palms facing backwards and then take your palms and rotate them to where your palms are facing me and tell me what happens to your body. And they all, they all have the same reaction. My shoulders went back. Well, yeah, they did. That's what happens biomechanically. So when I go to that point of contact or the point of truth, the mo- what we call the moment, moment of truth, and I have to block, if my head is forward, I'm going to miss most times. But if my my chin is over my feet, and the best way to get your chin over your feet 
is open your palms and rotate them to your target. And then we, we have them put them down the, we actually ask them to run your hands down the dummy as you come to gain, gain speed or gain ground to your target. Then the, another transferable skill that a player is gonna have to do, he'll actually do in, in the drill that we use for that getting control of your feet or coming to balance is every player is gonna have to plant, stab and drive. Plant, stab and drive which I learned as a defensive back as back in the old days as a toe point and then a directional step and then a transition step, right? That's the way we broke it down. It was a three-step transitional move. Well, everybody's going to have to do that and you better be really efficient at it because if it's, if it's, if for example, I am going that way, where do I have to plant? I have to plant off my outside foot. That's the most, that's the most advantageous way for me to gain ground push and go there if i step underneath myself what's going to happen to me most time i'm going to slip or i'll round off the, the cut right? right so as i plant stab the stab step is what we call your it, that toe has to be directly at the target because if you over rotate or under rotate with that toe your hip can't get through and then you can't accelerate to your target okay now as I as we talk about these things, I want to go back to something. I want I want to have an asterisk in here for young coaches, and it, and it's something that I learned from a, one of my karate teachers. The newer the skill, the lower the level of expertise, the slower you must do the drill. Have to if you're going to have proficiency, because. The reality of our neural system is it's, a, it's analogous to a computer. Your computer cannot, as you're programming your computer, it cannot tell you whether two and two is four or two and two is 99 until you program it, right? So if you program wrong information, if you program the computer to tell you that two and two is 99, and then you ask it what it is, it's gonna give you 99 as the answer. The same is true with your body. So if you're, if you're trying, and this is where I was so bad as a young coach, Keith, I was the shit, right? I was awful because I was wrong because I wanted them to be me, right? Well, they ain't me, mm -hmm. right? And I was one of those kids that I would do it like nobody was going to outwork me. Nobody, nobody was going to, there'd be guys that could outrun me. There'd be guys that could outjump me, be out, but you were never going to outwork me. Right. Well, so that and so I wanted I wanted to do everything full speed. And then when I started coaching young players, when I started coaching, I said, shit, our, my guys are going to be the hardest working guys on the field. And they were, but they were the dumbest working guys on the field, too. So we're doing these drills that are really finite technical drills, and we're trying to do them as fast as we can do them for what to wear them out. Well, shit, I can I can have them run two twenties if I want to wear them out. But all I did was waste their time. Right. And we talk, we talk to the players, guys, I'm not going to waste your time. If you, if, if I'm wasting your time, tell me I'm wasting your time. If you're not, but we're going to be, we're going to work, but you got, I, I can't ask you to perform this skill that's brand new to you full speed and expect you're going to get anything out of it. What you're going to get out of it is your computer, your neuromuscular system 
is going to get bad information. And when we go to Sunday afternoon and, and it's one play to win the game and, I, and you've put in bad information, what are you going to get back? It's 100 percent or you're going to get back bad information. Right. Right. So just the simple act of striking a blow. Right. Where does where does where do where do great hitters where do they generate their power from? Yes. Right. Well, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. And again, when we are teaching, I show them. I, I we make we make this, and I'm not I'm not I won't back off of the statement. We will be the best hitting special teams group in football. Now. We control that. Nobody else does. Alabama doesn't. Ohio State doesn't. The Pittsburgh Steelers don't. We do, right? It doesn't have anything to do with what, like our proficiency level as players may not be as high as the Kansas City team, but we're going to be more physical and we're going to hit better than they hit. That's a commitment that we make to each other. So now we start talking about how do you strike people? Well, obviously it comes from your hips. And I, and I do it this way. Keith, I've got about a five play, has nothing to do with football. It's boxing. And I show them where when a guy throws a hook, right, that hook doesn't come from his, I mean, it's his shoulders, bicep, and all that's involved, but it's the rotation and the snap and the extension of his hips that cause it. And I've got some, and I slow them down, and the kids love it because it's, you know, you see the shock wave go through the other guy's body when you really strike a guy, right? And so when we teach these things in the meeting, in training camp, I try and incorporate other sports, right? Like, for example, we talk about what's the perfect, you've got to come to this position, like we're talking about come to balance, right? We've got to come to this position. I've got a picture of Michael Jordan guarding a guy in basketball, and it's the perfect position, you know, because your body only bends at certain planes and da, 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 all that stuff. Right. But we show them that we said, this is, this is it, right? Here's the greatest that ever played the game. Here he is in this position. Right now, as we said earlier, it's all selling. So I say, I say to the kids, guys, let's go around the room. I'm going to pick up five guys. I want you to tell me about your greatest, your greatest athletic achievement. Right. And I'll, and it's always rookies and the veterans start giggling because they know what's coming. Right. And the kid will get up and he'll say, you know what? We played in the national championship game at, at, at Clemson or whatever. You know, they've all got their thing, right? And I say, you know, I respect, I respect all, all everybody's opinion greatly. And you're all, those are great things, tremendous accomplishments. But you know what? You're all wrong. I said, here's your greatest athletic achievement. The day that you got on two feet and walked. Because think about it this way. You had to fail thousands of times before you ever got up and walked. And because you didn't have an ego at that time, you could deal with that kind of failure. Now, if you, if you're going to be great in this game, you're going to fail a ton, but you got to let your ego go and just be right. Just be in the drill. Don't worry about how you look. Don't worry about whether you succeed. Just worry about doing the drill correctly right and so you know how I place my hands when I strike 
you know, again, this is one of those McNallyisms about, you know, your thumbs up and your hands inside and all that stuff. But it's true. It's every single position. It's everyone, right? Everyone. And, you know, so I think you see kind of where we're going with this thing, right? I have to, what we call near hip track, right? Well, what's coach, you know, and then rookies will look at, if they're, if they're brave, they'll, you know, raise their hand. Coach, what do you mean by near hip track? I said, okay, here, here it is. As I studied tackling and I did a five-year study in professional football, over 80% of the missed tackles were because guys were cut back on, not outrun. Over 80%, right? And what people don't teach in tackling is how to understand that in our time, we were taught head across the bow. Well, first of all, you can't talk head anymore. Second of all, that's wrong because that's how you get cut back on. So I wanna track the near hip of my target. And I didn't say, I don't say ball carrier because I'm gonna do the same thing as I block downfield on a punt return or a kickoff return. I'm gonna track the near hip, right? And so you have to set a drill so they have an opportunity to work at that skill, right? And then what's important inside of near hip tracking? Well. The first most important thing is what? It's gotta be your eyes because you can't hit what you, Muhammad Ali, you can't hit what you can't see. Well, that's true. You can't near hip track if your head's in his, your eyes are in his head, right? And so again, we, we try and incorporate those things in the skill, into the drills. Now, let me again, put the second asterisk on all of this. It's really incumbent on coaches, I think, to understand that there's a finite level of um, conditioning that every player has, right? And once they are exhausted, now, and there is a point I understand where you need to push them through, you know, they have to do it when they're tired and all that stuff, and we do all that, but not when we're teaching. So we try and eliminate, Keith, all the running that we can, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want, first of all, I, I tell them this, hey, this is pro football, I know you can run. Right. And if you're if your running form is mis screwed up, then go see the strength and conditioning guys. But I don't have time to teach that. I'm going to put you in a very small environment so you can get the maximum amount of reps in a short period of time. Right. I'm not going to ask you to run 20 yards to do something that you could run three steps to do. Right. Right. And that's that again goes back to every offseason going back in as a coach and looking at your drills and watching your drills and saying, okay, how can we get it better? How can we make it better? How can we make it more efficient for the athlete? How can we help the learning process? And then we just, you know, then we just go on through those, through those 12 skills. It originally was 16 and then we, they honed it down to 12 and I'm actually trying to take it down even further than that. Great stuff, coach. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I would, would love to have you back again sometime and get into some more details, maybe even just pick a couple and then talk about those things because I think they're important. Um, but one final question for you today, and this is a question I came up and with me since the start of the podcast comes from uh, my favorite coaching book, Bill Walsh's Finding the Winning Edge. And, you know, with all the things you do, yeah. coach, and we got into the technical side today, we talked about, you know, the, the personal side today, but all the things you do as a coach, what's the one thing that gives your players, one thing that you do as a coach that gives your players the winning edge? Um, I, ooh, boy, let me say it this way. Um, 
I think if there's anything, like for example, that question to me is very analogous to, to if they put on your headstone, what do you want it to say, right? To me, two words, he cared. He cared. Mm -hmm. Because if you care, you'll do the work. You'll find the answer. You'll help the athlete. If you just care, do you read? Coach Vermeil called it, are you a giver? And then to me, it, it's you can't be a giver if you don't care. Right? You can give to a certain point because it's selfish. You're, you're, it's, it's a selfish, selfish motivation because there's something in it for you. But when you really care, when you really, really care, and it isn't about the money and it's not about the next job and it's not about, but that takes time. You have to, you have to go through some, you have to be like us. You gotta have a little gray in your beard to get to that point. I wish, I wish guys could get to it a lot faster and it took me a long time, but that's all. I, when, when I'm done and, and I go surfing for the rest of my days, the only thing I want him to say is he cared. Coach, I love it. And as I said, uh, welcome back here anytime. There's uh, some more things you and I need to talk about for sure. Guys out there, follow him on Twitter. It's at Jeff underscore Reinbold. That's R-E-I-N-E-B-O-L-D. And follow his show as well at Coffee Reinbold. So, Coach, really appreciate catching up with you here on the podcast. I, I think we've talked about this often so i'm glad we finally got it done and uh as i said uh you're welcome back anytime well it's going to be fun having you on coffee with coach because i know that the message that we're going to send and i think it's really going to be really cool and we're, we're going to we're going to get coach and coordinator podcast out you'll be worldwide baby by the time because we got a lot of coaches in europe that would love to hear what you have to say so we'll get you on hopefully next week i think i think yep absolutely looking forward to it all right, Keith, thank you. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.